Of course, when we think about our beloved pets and the joy they bring us, you can't help but think the St. Francis, who was also a lover of animals. But he would not be the only saint who had a close friend or an saintly animal that helped them along the way. Joining us today, as she does have incredible stories about the lives of the saints, our good friend, Julie Andurko. Good morning, Julie. Thanks so much for being with me today. Thanks for having me. I love being on Modern Day. When you brought this idea to me about the, uh, let's talk about saints and animals, I went, well, you know, St. Francis. And you said, oh, he's that, that one we know lots about. But there are many others who have really powerful stories in connection with animals. And I said, well, let's talk about them. So I want to talk to you today about other saints that also had connections to animals and their incredible stories. So let's start off with Grigio. Let's start off with Grigio. So that is a, a big gray dog, big gray dog. And this was uh, a dog that, well, I'm not sure if he belonged to Don Bosco or not. Don Bosco wasn't sure either, but he's associated with him in a big, powerful way. And, and there was a lot of kind of controversy over it. So Don Bosco sat down and I've got three pages where he just tells about his relationship with Grigio. And for one, he never could find Grigio's owner ever. And he tried, could not find an owner for him. But he, Don Bosco, you don't think of him as a controversial character, but he was. Really? He was because he had these boys and he was getting them off the streets. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, that was controversial because people saw them as um, delinquents. They were going to be no good. It was, they just didn't want that. They, they didn't believe in it. Um, they found them as a threat. And they found his, the way he was going at this, getting boys out of prisons and stuff, people just were afraid. And, and they, just, they just didn't see it his way. And he really was helpful to a lot of young men. And then later, young women threw more homes for them and, and help for them, you know. But so political people had it in for him. Okay. Mm. And so sometimes when he would be walking or traveling to go somewhere, there would, there would be people laying in wait for him to, to maybe kill him or do him great harm or dissuade him from what he was wanting to do. And he was not dissuadable. <laughs> you, he was, he was on purpose on mission and his boys loved him. I mean, one time he almost died and they just prayed and prayed so hard that they, that the, our Lord, healed him and he lived but you know he knew it was because they just weren't letting him go i mean he was so loved by them yeah but there were others who hated him actually hated him and so grigio would show up and he would just protect him and save the day and cause some grief when he needed to he did incredible and so one time like they go to someone's house and these people's house that he's going to they have dogs so they say well um, if you're coming with Grigio and why Grigio was there, because it was a dangerous trek each way and it was going to be like after dark. So Don Bosco never called Grigio, never looked for him. He just, but when Grigio showed up, he knew trouble was afoot. Okay. That's Incredible. how it was. And so he goes to these people's house and that part of it's all good. Um, and, but they decide, you know, their dogs are going to get mad at Grigio and they're not going to like it. So let's lock up the dogs. So let's lock Grigio up in a room. And so they do. And then when it's time to go, they go to get Grigio and he's not there. He's just not there. The window's not open. 
no one's let him out and it was a mystery he's just not there the other thing is anytime somebody would try to feed Grigio he didn't eat Grigio never ate in front of Don Bosco ever and he was offered so that's why there's this idea that maybe maybe Grigio wasn't a dog maybe Grigio was an angel Oh, I love that. His guardian angel. Maybe. Took the form of a dog. Always was there when he needed him because he was a dog. Physical. He was there. Don Bosco petted him. He was real. But he never, he searched and searched and searched to find the owner. Could never. And Grigio was in fantastic shape and he was huge. And he was in fantastic shape. And when he was with Don Bosco all day and then Don Bosco would have a meal or whatever, the dog didn't eat. So that's why there's, and so he, Don Bosco doesn't say, you know, I think he was a guardian angel. He doesn't say, I think he was a dog. He doesn't say, all he says is, this is what happened. Think what you want. But I never found his owner. Obviously, it must have been a very holy dog because I've never run across a dog, especially in my own home, that wasn't right there to grab a handout if I was there to give it to him. (laughs) So, well, wonderful for Big Grigio to take, he had his orders and he made sure to take care of him. Julian Durko joining us today to talk about some saints and some animals that are associated with them. We often think of dogs, you know, because they're so close to humans. They're so interested in us. We have this special relationship with them. But it's not always a dog that's the animal that's showing a saint the way. Tell us another story. Okay, so I'm thinking of St. Anthony and the fish. So this is a very short story, but there's more to think about it when you consider it. St. Anthony was an amazing preacher. And one time, nobody was going to listen to him preach. There was bad press put out about him or whatever, and nobody was going to show up. And he was like the best preacher of his day and time. So he goes to the lake, and he preaches anyway, kind of like St. Francis when he would talk to the birds, right? So St. Anthony, a Franciscan, he goes to the lake, mm-hmm. he preaches anyway, and the fish all come to the, to the surface and they put their heads up and they listen to him. Uh. I mean, it's, it's kind of like when, when Jesus says, you know, if these people don't say Hosanna, the stones are going to shout. It's like that, like someone's going to hear this man because he needs to be heard. So creation comes to his aid. And it's interesting. It makes me think of the preternatural gifts, which, which were with Adam and Eve at the creation. Now, mm-hmm. We are restored through baptism, but not fully. Like the preternatural gifts aren't ours now, exactly. which is this this oneness with creation. So you see saints that can like command the weather or things like that, or or speak to the animals or whatever. And this is an example of that. You see it sometimes uh, where saints will actually talk to animals and the animals understand, not in a way of command and being training, but in a way of understanding, like these fish, like there, it, it, it was a display of once in a while, we get to see those gifts in the saints, you know, like this is what's coming when you get to heaven, you're going to be one with the creation. And like Deacon Echeverria said, God never forgets his creation. That's right. That's right. Wonderful stories we're talking about today with Julie Anderko. She's joining us today to talk about our wonderful saints and well, some animals and pets that they loved who helped them along the way. Julie, we talked about Grigio who came and went to take care of St. John Bosco. And then the fish would come and listen to St. Anthony and preach. But God also places in our life some very special pets that we love. And St. Therese, of course, had a very special place uh, in, in her family. And she had 
a very special dog that was had special meaning to her. Tell us about this one. Well, this is when um, Therese is probably a middle schooler. It's before she leaves home. And her mother, of course, has died when she was four. So she's it's just her dad and her sisters. And her dad gets her, he really searches to get her a good dog. Okay. He wants to get her a, a, the right dog. And so he does a little research and he gets her a dog and it's a, a Springer Spaniel. And his name is Tom and he gets it for her. The whole family loves Tom loves Tom, but you can see in some of the family photos, he's in there. Really? Yeah, yeah, and um, she really loved Tom and she loved animals, you know how she did. But I think one of the one of the stories that is so sweet is that when she, once she entered the convent, there was a day when it was, there were some workers that had to come in and it was her turn to, like they the way I read it, turn them out or turn them in opening the door and letting the workers mm-hmm. in. And for whatever reason, Tom was nearby. Now, you don't know what Tom was doing there. I mean, he might have left home and he might have hung out at the, at the outside the door because he missed her. We don't sure. know. But she was there and she opens the door to let the workers in and he comes and he gets under her habit and he, <gasps> and he stays under there like, and she cries and he dances around. Can you imagine being the dog of a saint like Therese? Uh. <laughs> so that's their story. And she made a sacrifice. You know, she didn't just sacrifice family and everything. She had to sacrifice her dog to go into the com- convent. But it seems like he was close by and that when he had an opportunity, he went and saw her. I, that's a great story. You know, th- everything that we have is a gift from God. And that includes these wonderful pets. And they teach us so much about who we are and how to love and how to care for somebody. And as in the case of St. Therese, also how to say goodbye when we're not always able to keep them with us. Julie, I just, I could talk about our pets and animals all day long. I am coming up against my break and there's some great stories that we want to hear about. Can you stay with me through the break so we can continue our discussion in the next half hour? Oh, it would be my pleasure. And I am back with Julie Andurko. We're talking about the saints and how animals have played a role in their faith. Julie is host of Your Next Mission from God, and she's joining me today to tell us some more stories about these incredible saints. Julie, thanks so much for staying with us. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Uh, So again, to recap, in our first half hour, we talked about guardian dogs and fish who love to listen to sermons and how St. Therese loved her dear, dear dog, too. There's also the Desert Fathers, and we know a little bit about a saint who's more than 100 years old, and he had a particular encounter with some animals. I got to know more about this one. Well, I'm talking about Paul of the Desert. So we're familiar with Anthony of the Desert. Mm -hmm. He was considered the first Desert Father, but there's actually someone named Paul who was out there in the desert before him. And um, so he goes out in the desert um, because he's... uh, escaping something i don't know what it is and he ends up staying he just decides he's gonna be so he lives there forever it seems he's i don't know exactly but i think he's about 120 years old he's well over 100 and wow. he's been living there a long time so anthony of the desert he's thinking i gotta find this guy because there's no one like anthony of the desert he wants a friend who can share the experience of that desert living in that particular time in history he wants not just a friend, but someone who can identify with him. So he finds out how to find him. He goes out in the general area and then he sees, I think it's a, a, a wild cat or a coyote. He sees something go through uh, an, an area. So he follows it and it leads him to Paul. 
And so these two meet. Now, this is interesting because Paul had this little sanctuary in there, a palm tree and a water spring, and a raven used to bring him a half a loaf of bread every day to eat. That was his food. So mm-hmm. that's how, and, and the date palm, and the date gave him some clothes. He would, he would weave the frongs. And so Anthony finds him there. And at first he won't let him into the cave. Anyway, it's funny. They're, they're, you know, it, it, it's interesting what it's like when you've been away from people for so long. But Anthony convinces them, let me in, let me in. And they become great friends in a very short time. And so the raven that day brings one loaf. So there's enough for both of them. They spend three hours arguing over who who's going to tear the loaf oh, because I- because <laughs> who's the lesser and the senior of the two of them. And, and they're like trying to outdo each other in humility. Finally, they grab it and they tear it together <laughs> and they share a meal of this bread that that raven brought. But anyway, Anthony's looking for a friend. So Paul sees Anthony as an answer to his prayers. You are here to help me die. And Anthony's like, no way. I need a friend. I need a contemporary. Mm-hmm. I don't need you dying on me. Okay. So he prayed for a friend and they both have different prayers, right? Yeah. Well, God's going to answer Paul's prayer because Paul is going to die. Um, but what he asked of, of Anthony. So in this very short time they spend together, they become very close friends in a short time because there's this level of holiness. It's like being in the body of Christ it's escalated beyond belief. And so they have this deep friendship that is formed through the love of Christ quickly, very quickly, a matter of hours. And so Paul, thinking that he's going to spare Anthony his death, says, will you go, and I know that you were given the cloak of Athanasius, would you go and get it for me? Mm-hmm. And so Anthony, wanting to be a good friend, makes it the two-day trek out of the desert to go get the cloak. He's on his way back with the cloak. He doesn't even spend any time. He just grabs it and goes. He doesn't even talk to anybody. And he's on his way back. And on his way back, he sees the soul of Paul leaving and going yeah. to heaven. So he he knows that he has died. And when he gets there, he finds Paul in in his cave with his on his knees with his arms outstretched. He's just dead there like that. And and anyway, but Paul is like 120 years old and Anthony is pretty close. He's over 90. And now he's got to bury him and it's the desert. He's like, what do I do? You mm-hmm. know, what do I do? So he gets his body out outside the cave and he doesn't know what, how he's going to do this because it's, 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 it's impossible for him to do by himself. And he looks off in the distance and he sees two lions running towards him. And he's like, now, fearing for his own life mm-hmm. and hoping that Paul's body's not going to get desecrated and eaten. You right. know, he's thinking all these things. But these lions approach, they sniff the body of Paul. In unison, they lift their heads and they let out a huge roar. And then they dig the grave. Wow. They dig the grave. And so the, the grave is dug. Uh, uh, St. Anthony gets Paul's body into the grave. He's saying all these prayers, all the while the lions bow their head. While he's saying it all and for the, the prayers of the mm. dead. And then when he's done, they turn around and they dig and they cover it up. They cover up the grave 
And then they go to St. Anthony and they bow their heads and they wait for his blessing before they leave. Hmm. Is that just the neatest story? Again, uh, the intervention of of angels or something. Eh, helpers. God yeah. sends us helpers. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? That's I just beautiful I just story. love that story about ah. Saint Saint Paul and um and he did he he did get parried in the cloak of Athanasius, so that was kind of cool. I love it. Julian Durko joining us today to tell us about saints and some companions and helpers. Julie, it's just incredible to have these stories about holy people that they've been passed down and people just come to know and love them. And one saint that so many in our day and age who really look to this saint because of the turmoil that we go through, St. Martin de Porres. And he also has an incredible story. Tell us about him. Well, Martin de Porres deserves his own big, long show. He's one of the most humble, beautiful saints with his own story. But we're focusing on the animals, and they recognized his holiness. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we talk about these preternatural gifts. He obviously had them because he could communicate with the animals. He just did. And so at his cell, they would show up like a turkey would show up, and it'd have a wound. It'd like to be healed. And he would tell the turkey, he'd fix it. He, he He'd bandaged the wound and let the turkey stay in his room until the turkey was ready to leave and healed. There was a dog that got in a bad scrap and he was all torn up and he needed to be stitched up. And so he comes, Martin DePore stitches him up and is talking to him. Is like, you know what? You need to stay out of these fights because you're not going to always, you're not going to maybe survive them. And when he's all well, he sends him back to his, go back to your master and be a good dog. Don't get any fights anymore. (laughs) You know, he was doing these kinds of things. And one time there was a bunch of mice, you know, and they wanted the mice out of the um, friary and, and they were going to try to exterminate them. Everyone would kill the mice. So he just talks to the mice and he's like, okay, I'll feed you outside, but you need to stay out of our clothes and our stuff, stay out of the building. And they did. They, they just stayed. <laughs> they just left. They did. There was one dog. Oh, this is an interesting story. And this is in a book. It's documented that this happened. There's eyewitnesses. But one dog, he, he had mange, which is something treatable and curable and he belonged to one of the brothers and um the brother decided that the mangy dog it looks bad you know the mangy dog needed to be put down so he hires somebody to put him down okay and that person knocks the dog on the head and um you know buries him martin fell found out about it and so he goes and he gets the dog's body and he chastises the brother and says this is not how you treat a loyal friend. Oh. And um, he brushes him off and cleans him up, and then he brings him back to life. That's the story I'm telling you. Anyway, and the other thing, too, you know, like he cared, like, about needless suffering, even in animals, because believe me, he took care of people. So I'm not making him out to be this animal-loving person who didn't love people. He loved people. He took care of people. He cured people. He prayed. This this is a saint beyond. But he has this this preternatural part of him, though he's one with the with the with his creation. And when he was dying, the priest who was or the doctor who was taking care of him decided he needed a poultice. And they killed a rooster and they made this thing they're going to put on him. And and Martin knew he was dying, and he knew that that wouldn't help and it wouldn't do anything. And he's like. You wasted his life because it's not doing me any good. So, you know, he just, he's just 
had this perspective mm. that was holistic and beautiful and very, very saintly. The most humble saint I think I know. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And what a great example of compassion. We, we know that that animals don't have a soul, but they're gifts from God. They're part of God's creation. And St. Martin de Porres is such a beautiful example of compassion mm-hmm. for sure. Well, Julie, we could talk all day long, and I know there are many, many stories that we could share. So I just want to thank you so much for your time today and joining us and bringing to life these wonderful saints. Thank you, Brenda. Now, if you want to learn more about the saints, and Julie has many, many stories about their lives, be sure to tune in to your next Mission from God. You'll find all of our archive shows at matradayradio.com, and you can listen on your way home today with the Hail Mary media app.